0: If you go to any kind of uh, ticket, like be it Eventbrite or some of the uh, more infamous ones that control the entire market globally, you know, despite the fact that you go online and you pay for your ticket and you get an email straight away, you're, you're paying a service fee for that. So, people have grown, I suppose, used to accepting that you know, companies do have to pay fees and like that. Um, once it's reasonable, they can pass that event to to the end customer.
1: Welcome back everyone, it's that time. It's the Venture Business Podcast, again from the Venture Business Network. As always, I'm your host, Rob FitzHugh, and you know the story. In this podcast, we talk about useful information and experiences that come from the venture business members. It's all about informing SMEs and venture members and getting a better understanding of how people are running their businesses today. This week, we have a really interesting guest. We're talking to Fionn Claffrey, who covers the Irish market for SumUp. If you've ever bought a coffee in the last few months, you will no doubt have tapped your card off one of those SumUp machines, those small white little squares that are managed off phones. They're all about making cashless transactions easy and they're very much targeted at the SME market. So all these small coffee stands, all these small coffee shops, is a really, really unique way for people to be able to manage their money digitally without having to rely on heavy, heavy, expensive machinery. Fionn breaks down his work for SumUp in this podcast, and we talk uh, a lot about society's move towards a cashless environment and what it takes to really get people on board for using uh, these mini chip and pins.
0: Yeah, so um, Fion here, and I cover the Irish market for a point of sale system or a system for SumUp. So SumUp have been around for a few years. But this new point of sale system uh only launched into the irish market last year so i was tasked with uh helping build out the market in ireland and basically communicate this value to the irish customers so it's been a great year so far we've uh, got a couple hundred customers and we're steadily growing so uh that's that's it in a nutshell.
1: for anyone who's listening who wouldn't know some up they probably see them all the time and they're going to buy coffees and coffee shops and stuff like some up are the little um Tapped cards, little white boxes that people get—that that smaller um, SMEs would have. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Like you see it often in coffee shops, restaurants. You might see it as well in uh, taxis. Although, uh, don't believe them when they say it's broken. It's, uh, it's not really functioning pretty well.
1: So that's a whole scam where they say the cards, bro- the things broken. And well, I mean, yeah, fair enough. I've heard it many a time. And um, so from 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 your particularly, how did you end? What were you doing before you got involved in some
0: so, before I got involved in Sum Up, I was working with uh, Oracle. You might know them from ah, the yes. F1 winning team. So, they've got a range of customer facing applications to help uh, create a better customer experience online. So, uh, yeah, the, my time with Oracle came to an end. Basically, there was a shift for the CX products in Ireland. And uh, with that, then um, good sale came up, and the prospect of current payments in Ireland just uh, seemed quite exciting to me because. It was in the middle of a global pandemic and there was a seismic shift from cash to card payments. So, uh, before I suppose accepting position, I looked at uh, the ATM reports for Ireland at the time. And I think cash withdrawals had gone down 40% prior to COVID. And then once COVID came about, then I think it was like not over 90% of transactions were done through cards. So, it seemed like a, a growing industry to be in. And that, that's what brought me to the sum up brands.
1: In terms of the landscape before you came on board, you see, you launched last year, what was the, because I'm I'm under the impression, and maybe I'm delusional, that the, that the card readers were around for quite some time. But was that, is there, was that a different thing or, or I just, I vaguely remember somebody about five years ago had come to me and were like, hey, listen, for 20 euro a month or something like that, or I can't remember what it was, you could get a card reader because I was going to use them for classes. What was on the landscape before some up showed up?
0: Yeah, no, you're, you're dead right there. So there were card readers around before this. Um, it was quite monopolized as well in the industry. So you do have your staples like your bank of Ireland, AIB. Um, so you've got disruptors in the industry in the last couple of years. So for smaller merchants, who didn't want to consistently pay high fees and uh, all these hidden costs with a card reader. They want to basically get a straightforward transaction. That's where you saw these uh, non-bank companies, financial tech companies offer a different type of service and whereby it was made more accessible to say, a small trader uh, who might only use it occasionally. So it just, it just changed, I suppose, the cost of having the card reader where in the past, you might've had someone in rural Ireland and they didn't want to go down the road of getting the card reader because they would have lost a large percentage of their margins uh, through card reader. Now they're able to simply get a small card reader in, quick setup, and uh, like that, enable their customers to, to take card payments. <clears throat>
1: Yeah, I, I remember I I remember used to go to certain shops years ago and they'd be like, um, ah no, we don't we don't do we don't do card because they didn't want to pay the fees to the bank to pay for the actual card reader, and so I'm assuming that has that whole process has become a lot cheaper. Is it a percentage of sales or is it an, an outright cost to get the box?
0: Yeah, so it's um is a upfront for the for the card reader for using it that way, and then after that, then it's a percentage of the sales. But um, where someone come along is we try to be as transparent as we can about the sales uh, and the cost of it. So we take together like all the different fees that traditionally wouldn't have been advertised. So the fee that we charge, the fee that the banks will charge them for processing it. And then another big fee as well is what we call the network. So if it's Visa or MasterCard, being able to use their uh, network to take card payments, so we say then this is like, for example, 1.69 for merchants that sign up with uh, with that. And then this fee then will change then based upon the higher amount of transactions that you put through. So if you're putting through a couple of mil each year, of course you'll have a uh, custom rates for that, but uh, for like your, your small everyday person who's using it at the odd time, it's a case that, like they're paying uh, a couple of cents then on, on top of the purchase. So whereby you might see some people in the past where they put on a hefty fee of 50 cents, Per card transaction, uh, that's drastically more than what it actually costs them to uh, actually take card payments. So let's say, for example, uh, if someone's uh, taking a ten euro uh, sale, that uh, for that ten euro sale, uh, they'd only have to put on uh, fifteen cents or so to help justify the cost of that card transaction.
1: If you find, I mean, I assume I I would assume po- pre COVID. <laughs> People would have maybe more excuses for, 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 for like, oh, no, you're all right when it comes to like, a, from a sales perspective. I'm assuming, do you find anyone who's kind of like, oh, no, I don't want to go down that road? Or is it, are pretty much people, it's more of a case of they don't know they need it. And then when you speak to them, they're like, you know what, I do need this. Uh, like, as you find people are pretty receptive, or is there any kind of holdouts?
0: Um, there always are holdouts. I mean, there's a cultural shift as suppose, from people who don't like dealing with digital that they feel like you know cold hard cash is the way to go. But um, I suppose you saw COVID was a catalyst for something that was changing anyway, so it just sped up the process for a lot of people of moving to digital. But there's also been a big factor as part of this as well, which rural banks are in decline. So where you might have had a business, they could have traveled a few kilometers to local bank and take all of the cash and deposit it. Uh, they might actually have to travel 50 miles now an and, um, you know, the amount of time taken, the cost of petrol and fuel these days, you know, it does make a big inconvenience. So it's becoming a lot easier now to actually take your payments directly into your bank account. So that was one shift, I suppose, from where it was easy beforehand. Now it's a bit more difficult. And, the blocker that once was there is essentially no longer a valid reason for them because it's it's more difficult than it once was. And then the second one is uh, it's always a bit of a grey area. It's you know certain industries where they mightn't declare everything that they feel is a paper record of everything coming through. So um, it does I suppose tie into having to you know declare everything that you do take when you've got a a paper trail of what's going through and then certain industries that are coming around to this where in the past they might not have done it exactly so i suppose it'll uh, throw back then to some of the taxi drivers with broken readers like it, it comes down to to that aspect there which is always a controversial
1: Yeah, one. yeah i suppose that, and it's funny because the the, um, the i would imagine like I, I would imagine that 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 obviously from a consumer perspective a business that's a, a business that is not offering that as a service like I I couldn't even fathom, as you said, I, I couldn't, it, it's getting to a point now where I'd be like, I don't, if somebody said to me, you have to pay in cash, I'd be like, what? <laughs> like, why why would I do that? Do you know what I mean? I have, now I have to go and take money out and come back and pay, it, it, it just seems like about 14 million steps. So I'd assume that any business that is, that is holding out is, is, is. I don't know. They're 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 going against the trend because I can't imagine many people would tolerate uh, or or have patience to walk into a business and and people have no patience for queues at this stage, let alone going in and having to actually source cash and have, pay for something unless you know in advance. I think if if, if somebody details in advance, you know, sometimes it's like, hey, you need to you need to pay for this in cash. And you're, oh, okay, cool, I have time to do that. But if someone springs it on you, you're like, no. I'd actively move away from a business if I thought I had to pay for cash all the time because it, it it's too preemptive. I have to think about it.
0: I, I think the, the very same I often go out and forget my wallet because I've got my digital wallet, my phone and like that, if the business doesn't accept, uh, car payments is, is often the case. And sometimes my business is going elsewhere. So, uh, yeah, like I think there's no excuse really not to take car payments these days that it's just so accessible and you know, it's not very cost heavy. Um, but if you think about coming back to queues and beating the queues, one of our customers now would be the Viva Stadium, and they've actually recently gone cashless because they found that when they're using card transactions, most kind of trans- transactions will be under that uh, sort thirty euros limit when they're paying with contactless. And like contactless transactions, like I think, are three times faster than cash or traditional uh in certain, in certain uh, chip and pin. So it's just uh, helping like that get rid of queues, and uh, really is just a case of uh you know we're, we've made that shift towards digital and like some people are still playing catch-up so um they'll ultimately lose out if they don't make that transition because you know uh like you yourself or me going out with just our phone um we'll move on to their next door neighbors and give our business there if they don't take car payments
1: yeah that's the thing is there's a, there's a, there's always somebody selling coffee next door so um but the yeah is it was that is that the bars in the aviva or is that actually going into the building or is it like for everything?
0: Oh yeah, it's a great question. So it, it's the food and bev section. So like if you're going to get some refreshments at halftime, be to you know a couple of Guinness or a Coke or a burger. Um, it's, yeah, it's the food and bev section.
1: Okay, brilliant. And and in terms of Aviva sounds like a pretty large client. What are what's the, like it, it, who is? Because I associate some up in the best way possible with you know my local coffee shop. Um, you know that kind of thing. It, it seems to be a broad range of people who are who are adopting this technology.
0: Mm -hmm. it it does indeed like um for like the bigger clients obviously we do get uh, custom rates in for them so it's a case of sometimes there's not the awareness that we cater for large customers but it's coming back to i suppose the mission statement of some up it's been able to um help smaller businesses compete on a global scale so you know trying to fight against the likes of your amazon little wooden to have your small shop selling like retail or hospitality compete that um, like it lets them go online as well. Lets them take digital payments, but uh, we don't have, I suppose, one size fits all. Like it's we cater from everyone, from our smaller customers right up to our, our corporate clients, like the Viva Stadium.
1: Great, grand. I mean that, that 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 seems like it's covered. I just I haven't. I suppose I'm, I I haven't seen them. I have I and this you know I'm not a good example. I never leave the house. So um, I only ever see coffee shops. So, I mean, the idea of going to the Viva seems like something um, a throwback to for me for the last 20 years. I haven't gone to Viva in a long time. In fact, I went to Liffey Valley and was flanked by crowds yesterday and I found it incredibly stressful and I just wanted to go home. So that's probably an underlying psychological problem I haven't dealt with yet. A, a ticking time bomb waiting to go off. But um, in terms of the future for you, I mean, I assume, actually just an interest, you say you're talking about rural communities. Do you see it fight in, in terms of of, of 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 that, in terms of of, of, of adoption in, in rural communities. Can you physically see that or? Uh,
0: you, you do indeed. I think, uh, like a good example in Ireland, um, what can I name these? Cause there's not. not yeah,
1: you don't have to name them. You don't have to name them. You can.
0: So there, there was a pub anyway, um, in Dublin, just off uh, Fade street that was notorious for accepting cash payments only. And they were almost made a point of pride for some reason, but, um, then when they reopened after COVID, of course sure no one had cash so we saw then that they uh, they started taking car payments but in the past like you know there was enough people going to it so it hadn't it didn't make it a big thing and it was almost like a marketing piece as well like that people get annoyed to go on social media and they make something from it but um yeah sorry so coming to rural i suppose uh it was the same kind of thing that whereby you've one pub in a community you know they can dictate their own conditions when you come in and give them your service and it can then as well to like if they were to employ someone that they might not be putting all the errors through and like that sales as well not declaring everything so it's something that exists in in tourism across europe uh like the tourism trade like a, a lot of people uh, don't declare all the errors worked and like, like that as well and all of things go through so it's supposed to be moving to where we should be and declaring everything. And then because it's cost-effective now, it's not like the same in the past for why they'd have to pay X amount each month. Like with a pay-as-you-go model where we take a percentage each time, you might have a seasonal business in, in the middle of nowhere in Kerry, for example, that might only open their doors for four months a year. So in the past, a business like this might've had to sign up for a year. And even when they're closed, they're paying out 30 odd euros for their card reader when it wasn't in use only to be able to then use it in july when they'd open up and uh like this now they can get in a reader it'll cost them 30 odd euros um to take our payments and for people that come over like that if it's a case where they want to adjust the price by a couple of cents 15 cents let say for 10 euros order that uh you know it's, it's very accessible like that so it's a case where it's i suppose expand sorry ma- making sure that the that education is out there that they're aware that it's it's this easy and that like that they're not paying for eight months where they're not open. So this is uh coming back to I suppose the point I made earlier on where the model was disrupted in recent years by financial companies whereby like that they didn't didn't ask for a fixed charge each month, rather they went on a commission type basis and made it very accessible to sm- smaller merchants like that who might be seasonally affected.
1: Yeah, like I would have used one, I think I said to you before, like I, I haven't done i haven't done a class i used to do classes all the time in town pre covid and i haven't done one since um I've, I've done a few online but that um i do a lot more online work now but i used to do physical classes so i would have done one two a month maybe one or two a month um, and people would always I, I you know you'd buy them on tickets on eventbrite and then people would be late coming to it and they'd be like oh listen can i just pay at the door and do you have cash and all that sort of stuff and i remember thinking god i could use something like that just so that people could just rock up and pay. I don't have to bring a float. I don't have to concern about anything like that, but you're talking about a minimum amount of transactions twice a month. You're talking about a couple of hundred euros twice a month, um, going through the machine, but to know that you have that option and you're not hemorrhaging cash while that little box sits in the corner and you're only using it sporadically is is a, is a nice way to think about it. It gives you an extra option. It's easier for you. It's easier for your clients and it's not costing you to have it regardless of whether you use it or not. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I mean, um, exactly. Like I, I think, it's just about that. If, if you know it's out there um, and it could be an option for you, even if like that you're to have some kind of fees associated with it, that if you go to any kind of uh, ticket, like bit it be Eventbrite or some of the uh, more infamous ones that control the entire market globally, you know, despite the fact that you go online and you pay for your ticket and you get an email straight away, you're, you're paying a service fee for that. So people have grown, I suppose, used to accepting that, you know, companies do have to pay fees like that um once it's reasonable they can pass that in to, to the end customer
1: i'm, I'm not going to say it but i think the company you're talking about that the controls the whole process end to end i would say take the piss a little bit with that service fee and then they also control the reselling side of that as well so to take a service fee out of that as well which is nonsense if we're talking about the same company and um, mm. that who but um so it just seems insane but the um um and in terms of of you and moving forward uh, and 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 kind of c- like you're talking about getting the word out, how important is it for you to connect with businesses? Then, I mean, I'm assuming it's all once they see it, they're like a no-brainer. I'll take it. But how important is it for you to try and get out there and connect with businesses on a on a one-to-one level?
0: Yeah, it is very important. I suppose with that, like quite often, we like to pass the mantle or the gauntlets in marketing and hope they do all the work for us to bring in things to us. But you know, I don't like we often like to talk to someone who's used it, so. I find that by networking and I suppose by word of mouth, that that's where like a lot of our business will come from. Because if you've had a customer who's enjoyed your product and it's done well for him, typically you know, he's the very one who will tell his mates and they'll come along and get in touch with you. So I find that um you know these days that while marketing is obviously very effective, that sometimes it does take that extra effort to say in a salesperson part to to network and to get the word out there with people who are involved in the right industries
1: yeah brilliant so moving forward you're pretty excited for the future
0: yeah i'm very excited as i noticed. Uh, i suppose we've got some kind of end date insight with um you know the the, the flu that's out there that uh, things are re- reopening or we've got i suppose a new model of um, living with us and- i think i think
1: it's i think it's called everyone gets it um, I believe is the, is the model. Everyone gets it and, and then we'll see what happens. Um, but yes, yeah, so you' you're, you're pretty pu- you're pretty I suppose it's great and I would imagine that a, a, it's been a in a weird way it's been kind of fruitful as well because as I, I've noticed all the small cafes have opened all the horse box hairdressers and all that sort of stuff have all popped up and I'm assuming they'd be ideal candidates for 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 sum up.
0: Yeah, exactly. So uh, like that, especially these smaller guys. Um, some of us are fantastic business model for them because, you know, they only pay for a uh, uh, car dealer, uh, what they get on board and they don't have any major cost in So I getting car payments in and in terms of I suppose of just business in general, like uh, Ireland is one of the largest hospitality markets, like in, in Europe that, um, you know, what, what David Williams called the, the crack economy, that's everything that that shut down during these couple of years. So, you know, your bars, your restaurants, your pubs, anything that, you know, involved a bit of crack. So now that these are open again, um, like 70 odd percent of the customers in point of sale, for example, would, would be in this area. So it's set to get stronger. People are catching up. So places that are just opening the doors after being closed for two years are seeing that, you know, they can't survive on taking cash payments only. They've got to make that transition to card. But also just in terms of convenience, like we mentioned earlier on, reducing queue times because people are getting more impatient or putting their business online. Like uh, these are all aspects I suppose we help with, and uh, you know you'll see that in the next couple of years that you know any any business you go into really will have these options available, and that card payments won't be an issue. Hopefully, in the next couple of years.
1: Actually, that's a that's a question I have just for myself, at a personality uh, a, a thing you just mentioned online am i capable then of taking like a traditional chip and pin am i I able to take um, payments over the phone with a sum up can i type in the the number as you would with a chip and pin machine
0: you can indeed it's something you can apply for and get a virtual terminal so um basically we will always try and get people to either send like a payment link or something whereby the end customer can say get a link sent to their whatsapp or email click onto it and put in their own card details because the moment then you start taking payments over the phone there's extra security steps involved and um, with that too there's extra costs involved so it tends to work out to be a little bit more expensive to take uh, payments over the phone but it's something we do but our payment links would be something we prefer because it's easier to authenticate things and then you've got like your verified visa and things that, that do their job there so it's something i think that will as we go on, die out in a sense because, um, like you know, I, even myself, if I ever bring up someone and I'm ordering a service or product, when you got when you have to call out your card number over the phone, there's all those little voices back of your head going, "Well,
1: don't do it." Yeah,
0: with, with, uh, with, uh, with uh, utmost privacy you know.
1: That was Fionn. If you want to find out more about him and the work he does at SumUp, you can head over to www.sumup.ie. You know the story. You're listening to the Venture Talks podcast on the Venture Business Network. You can subscribe to this podcast from wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you want to find out more about the network itself, I'd recommend heading over to www.venturenetwork.ie. A lot of amazing members there. So really good resources and a really good way to connect with other businesses Uh, And if you'd like your business to be featured on this podcast, you can email me at filmsmartpro.com. Until next time, I'm Rob Fitzhugh. Stay safe and stay connected.